My message this morning is on courage to stand. Courage, I think pretty much everybody knows what, you know, what courage is. Uh, but today, Christians are attacked from every direction. It seems like every time I turn around, someone is trying to shove their gospel down my throat. I put their gospel, not the gospel. I said their gospel. They're trying to just shove it down their throats. Their, their worldly opinions, their warped views of life, their low moral values, and anything else that's on their mind at the moment. During this time that we're living in, there is one thing that we need more and more, and that is courage to stand. We must have strong courage to stand for God and for what is right. How do you know what's right? It's very simple. It's in this book. This is what's right. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then don't believe it. Okay? And I want all of you young people, you teenagers, and young, especially the young and the middle-aged and the old, <laughs> to listen this morning. No, it's not just going to be for youth. It's going to be for all of us. But I want the youth to pay special attention because I want to share some things with your parents, your grandparents, your friends, and your church of some of the things that you may have to that you are dealing with that they may not be familiar with. But to start with, courage isn't just the absence of fear, but it's our response to fear. In other words. All of us carry a type of fear, uh, fear around with us, you know. Now, I understand that some of you this morning, don't, you don't have fear. You only have concern or uh, one of the lesser words of fear. But fear has degrees. Everybody understand that? There's massive fear. If, like, for instance, if somebody hanging, was holding me by, by my heels over a the top of a building that was 70 stories high, they wouldn't have to kill me. I'd already be dead. <laughs> they wouldn't have to drop me because I'd die of a heart attack, right? So there's certain fear that can be that ultimate fear that's just, it's ready to take you right now, you know, that type of fear. But we don't have those type of fears every day. But we do understand that. that. So, But we need this courage, but... It can, be, it can be simply defined, I guess, as an attitude of mind and of heart that enables us to face danger, obstacles, and challenges in life fearlessly, firmly, and calmly. I know you don't want to hear do it calmly. I understand that. When you say firm, that's one thing. And when you say fearlessly, I'll be fearless, I'll stand up there. But to do it calmly sometimes makes it very difficult. But a lot of times... Things aren't accepted because we're not giving them calmly, realizing that we are in control. We are in control, not the other person. Which reminds me of a little story. I have to tell you this. We were over seeing Bishop over at Nojus the other day because we wanted to see them before they left to go back. And Bishop told me a story about he was in a bank. He was in a bank doing business, and all of a sudden these guys came in with arms and guns, and they came in, and, and the first thing that, what if, what's the first thing they tell you to do when they walk in? Get on the floor. 
Because they know if you're on the floor, you can't, you can't you know, affect them in any way. And he said, the guy did that, stuck that gun at me and said, get in the floor. And he said, just as he started to get down, he was prompted by the Holy Spirit. And he stood up and he says, I'm a bishop and I don't bow to evil. And the men ran out. So I want all of you to know I'm not Pastor Larry anymore. I'm Bishop in case, especially while I'm gone. Because if anything happens, I'm going to say, I'm Bishop and I don't have to bow to you. So he planted that in me. But the thing about it is we need to take courage. That was courage to stand up and say that. But when you think about it, I, I hope I have the courage if something like that would ever happen to me, right? But we have to be there. When we need courage in every aspect of life, we see courage in the battle when soldiers run toward danger. We see courage when we see firefighters run into fires while everybody else is running out. We see courage when police officers are putting their lives on the line to save someone that they don't even know. And then we go criticize them. Courage should be honored when you're doing something right. When you're doing the right thing. In our Christian walk every day, we need to show courage. And I realize, I want you to understand, I realize that there's only one courage. Courage is courage. But I believe that there are places that we need courage that are in certain areas. And these areas are going to always overflow to each other and kind of mingle in. But I'm going to try to pull them out the best way I can. But I want you to understand that there are certain aspects in our life and certain things happen where it's going to take a special type of courage and a specific uh, courage in a specific situation. So it's the situations that I really want to talk with you about this morning. But I want to share with a verse first out of Joshua 1, verses 6 through 7. And if any of you haven't been around, I've been preaching out of Joshua for a while about Joshua because it, there's so much that God told Joshua. And there, it's one of those sermons, if you're a preacher, you got a text of Scripture and you go preach a message and then you go back the next week, you take the same Scripture, you preach another message and it doesn't even touch, touch what you t- said before. And then you come back the third time, you teach it again, but it has nothing to do with the first two that you did because there's just so much packed in it, you can just pick other things out of it. So here we see, it says, Be strong and courageous. Strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to you, your fathers, to give. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful and, and do, according, do according to our law, which Moses, my servants, commanded you. Do not turn to the right nor to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. And then go down Joshua 1.9. It says, and I am, and I... Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. And by the way, this is the third time in this little short bit of Scripture that he has told Joshua to be strong and courageous. How many, thinks, how many would, would agree that if he told him three times in just a short period of time, he was trying to get a point across that he should be what? Strong and courageous. So that tells me that he had, a, he had something he wants to say. He said, do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. That's what I want to tell everyone today. Keep that in mind when you hear what we're going to be talking today. Because no matter what I talk about today, you must remember that no matter where you are, school, job, home, friends, neighbors, enemies, doesn't matter where you are, realize that God is with you. He said He would be there with us. And I like to remind people sometimes that we have... 
God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And everywhere we go, sometimes we think we're going by ourselves, but we're carrying Him with us wherever we go. And if we realize that He's with us, He gives us more confidence. He gives us more courage to be able to stand. Why? Because He's there standing with us. And that's where our courage and so all of this comes from. So, this thing is important for us to look at all these things. Now, courage to be careful and to do according to what? What the Word says. What the law said. The Word says, so take courage that I'm going to be with you, but make sure you don't do what? That you don't veer one way or the other in trying to make something not as strict as it was. Now, you can turn to the right and you can turn to the left. You can become more strict to what the law says and therefore keep things from happening because you're too strong in something. But most of the time, we don't turn to the right. We want to veer to the left. We want to get away to where it's less than what the Word of God says to do. And it's more, we're more apt to do that. So in life, we have many trials and temptations that require courage to stand. Now, I want to share with you six areas that courage is needed that you, can, that you need to make sure of. Even though it's the same courage, it's going to be used in different situations. One is physical. Physical courage. I think of... Uh, that's Mike over here. In school. Standing up for what's right and getting attacked by the students. He was doing what was right, but got attacked by someone or the other physically because he wanted to do what's right. We don't see it much yet, a physical abuse or a physical coming against us as Christians. About the biggest thing that we get as far as uh, attacking is not physically, it's more verbal. In other words, they're trying to make you to be less than you really are. And I want you to realize something. The world is trying to convince all of us that we are less than we know in our hearts that we are. If you let them, they will steal your identity. They will steal who you are if you let them. You have to stand firm on what you believe and you stand there with courage saying, I'm willing to fight for what I know that I am. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I've served God my basically my whole life. And I am not at my age ashamed of anything that I've ever, ever done for my Lord Jesus Christ. Because He's done more than I could ever have done for Him. I will stand until the day I die because I have not walked this walk in vain. If I walk it the way that God says to walk it, one day I'll step into eternity knowing that I have kept the faith. I've walked the walk, done what God told me to do, not compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to have courage to stand for what we believe. Now, the next area is social courage. On the job, in your family, with your friends, with your schoolmates, anywhere where you are around people, you must have courage 
in that social environment. It's easy to say, I love Jesus when you're alone. It's good to say, I am a born again child of the living God when I'm alone or when I'm in front of you. When I'm in front of people who agree with me, it's easy for me to agree with them how good I am. You know what I'm talking about. Not good me person, but what I'm talking about is easy that we can say who we are when we're in church, when we're in a friendly environment. But what happens when we leave church and we go into the life out there that we live every day? Okay? Now, this is especially true, and this is kind of... If it doesn't shock you, you can't be shocked. But this is especially true for our kids in school. I was doing some research trying to find out what kids run into in school and ended up finding out a lot more than I wanted to know about. But these, in school, they deal with social attacks from every direction. Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. I don't know all those names. Too technical for me. What's another one you young people tell me? Where do you get attacked from? Huh? Snapchat, what's chat, who's chat, whoever's chatting. You can tell how much I'll watch. You can tell how much technical, how technical I am. I do have a Facebook account because that doesn't require much. But there's a lot of stuff on Facebook that shouldn't be on Facebook. I will tell all of you, Facebook is not where you put your saddest stories. For the world to see, because the world is the one that will say something about it, right? No. So-called Christians will crucify you. But the thing about it is, everything that we put on out there is for the world to see, and it's our example to the world. I don't do a lot of posting. I do a lot of reading, more than I should. But I, I try not to respond to them. And there's stuff that I wouldn't respond to. And I'll be honest with you, there's things of people that post in this church that may wonder sometimes, why don't I get a like from Pastor, Pastor Larry? Because I disagree with it. Amen. It's a very simple, very simple reason why I don't say, great job, good job, glad to hear it. You know, bless, give you a like, give you a thumbs up, give you a love, or you know what I mean? If I were to give you an icon of what I really thought, you would want to come to me to find out why I was giving you a thumbs down, not a thumbs up. Because we don't think before we act. Pastor Angela has been teaching us about the mind, the thought. Bring everything thought into obedience to God. Okay? Bring it there. That's another message. She's already preached that. I don't need to preach it again. Okay? But social pressures that come to these kids and all these different areas that come in. Wanting, wanting to fit in for a Christian child or youth and trying to get... When, when kids are trying to be accepted, how many of you like to be accepted? 
I'm glad that three of you do. The rest of you don't. I want to be accepted by one. First God. I am first and foremost a Christian. Everything else has to sell it. Now, do I have to be accepted by my wife? Yes. She'll preach that in her message the next time she preaches. <laughs> but we seek acceptance. That's what we want to be accepted by. That We want to be accepted by our children. We want to be accepted by our family. But in school, these kids want to feel like they're part of something. I know when I was in school, I wanted to be accepted. I was a poor, I was a little poor boy. And all the rich people, you know, they, all the rich people, they had a, in the mornings when we wait for school, they had their little circle over here, and then the next level of rich was over here, and then the next little rich was over here, and then the poor was over here, and then I was way over there. <laughs> I was way over there because that. But then it didn't matter because God gave me a little bit of talent, and I was able to be a reasonably good athlete. And so I moved up from there to over here, Next thing I know over here. And then I found that there was a group over here that was athletes. And so we'd all kind of get together in the mornings and we'd talk. And we finally found out everybody wanted to talk to us. And so it didn't, finally, it didn't matter whether you were rich, poor, middle class, lower, it didn't matter what class you were. If you wanted to talk, you came over there. And you know what? Back when I was playing ball, it's not like it is now. Back when I was playing ball, we liked for people to like us, and we welcomed everybody. We didn't care what color you were. We didn't care anything. All we wanted to do was just to have people there. But I know that a lot of that doesn't happen anymore, and the schools are dealing with this, right? Well, I don't want to get onto this. I'm going to just read this so that I don't mess up with it, okay? There's social pressure to have sex. Our kids are being told that it is normal to have sex out of wedlock. Our kids are being taught safe sex before they even need to be having sex. Does that tell a child something? Does it tell a child something when a mother says, I want you to go on birth control because I don't want you to get pregnant? So we say, well, is that wrong to do that? I'm just simply saying, what picture are you painting? Think about what we do before we do it. Is think about what the Word of God tells us. Should we be teaching purity over? There's a Kaiser Family Foundation study show show that 76 percent of teens said that 76 percent that's three quarters, three quarters of teens surveyed said that one reason young people have sex is because TV shows and movies makes it seem normal. Two out of three TV shows include sexual content. That is a dramatic change over the past 15 years. 50% of couples involved in sexual behavior in television programming 
are depicted as casual, casual relationships. First date, casual relationship. Sex comes with the first date. Where have we come, folks? But this is what our kids are facing every day. Do you think we need to be praying for our kids? Do you think we need to be teaching our kids differently? Should our kids realize that the Word of God teaches against that? And they say, yeah, but, but I'm going to ask you this. If everyone goes up on the cliff and it's 3,000 feet down and everybody starts jumping off, are you? Just because everybody else is doing it? Just because everyone else wants to go to hell doesn't mean that you have to want to go there. Just because everyone else wants to break the rules doesn't mean that you have to break the rules. It takes courage to stand up with the social groups that we have for doing that which is right. Nine percent of television programs depict sexual behavior between teens. With all of this influence and social programming of our children creates a strong influence that require courage to stand up against all of the propaganda of sexual immorality. Not only by parents, but also to take courage for the kids to stand up against the pressures of other kids who feel that this is okay. I'm telling you, point blank, in case you need to know, sex before marriage is a sin. No, 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 no ands, ifs, buts about it. If you want me to give you the scriptures, I'll be more than sit down and give you all the scriptures. You won't have to dig too far because there's plenty of them in there. God said that sex was the most precious thing in your life. And I want to tell just young people and everybody else, having sex with somebody says that we become flesh to flesh and we become spirit with them. You carry that around until you separate you and declare that from you because you're going to drag all of their stuff with you spiritually. Okay? That's another message. If I need to preach it, I'll preach it. And Sister Angela can come up here and get me straightened out, right? right? Social pressure against Christian values is being taught in public education. This is taught in elementary and in high school. Kids are being taught safe sex versus Christian values of abstinence only. Whatever happened to abstinence before marriage? When was the last time you heard the word of abstinence and sex in church? You're not going to hear it in school. We know what they're teaching. But it's taboo in the church. We don't talk about sex. That's the reason I've used that word so many times today. I want it to get in your spirit of what it is. For years we had to say woman was with child. We couldn't even say she was pregnant. I don't know how many times when I was early preaching, we couldn't use the word pregnant. In a Pentecostal church, you had to use woman with child. Okay, so it's so a difference. She's pregnant. <laughs> you know? And sometimes I think we get so far away from wanting to do what's right that we end up doing nothing. When we do nothing, guess what we get? Nothing! We don't stand, we get nothing. Okay? Nothing there. Okay. So, social pressure in colleges and universities. Well, when I get them out of high school and get them in the university, they're going to be great because now they're just going to go get to learn about the right things. We quit teaching math, science, social studies, English a long time ago. We started social engineering. 
And hopefully a little bit along the way, they'll get a little bit of, of teaching, right, along the way. But in colleges, you expect that to be great. A recent poll of 1,200 college faculty members revealed that one in four professors are atheist or agnostic compared to the population of 4 to 5% of the general population. Only 6% of university professors say that the Bible is actually the Word of God. 6%. That means 94% believe that the Bible is not even authentic. Instead, 51% say the Bible is an ancient book of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts. People are teaching with the word allegory. The Bible is made up of allegories. In other words, just stuff. If God, an allegory is no more than something, we'll call it a parable. Okay, that's a story, a parable. Every time Jesus told a parable, he called it a parable. How many parables do we have in the Old Testament? Was, was Daniel in the lion's den a parable? Was it when, the, when, the, when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, was the water rolling back a parable? You see, Jonah got swallowed by a big fish. And we, a story. Because I told you this before, we call them stories. When I was growing up, what, you know what a story was? A lie. If somebody told me a story, it was a lie. When I tell them there's a story in the Bible that says this, people say, that's just an allegory. That didn't really happen. Daniel really wasn't put in the lion's den. That's just, a, that's just an allegory. Because what we've done is we've tore down the Word of God and tried to make it less than it is. The attack on the Bible is the only thing that the world right now is after, is destroying the Bible. They're trying their best to destroy it. And I must, oh no, I like that clock. These teachings on the world, these teachings are of the world and not of God, no matter what they say. They are not truth. It is not truth. It takes courage to stand up for the truth. Okay? 1 John 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, and the love of the Father is not in him, for all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, is that what we're lusting? Is it flesh that's trying to be satisfied with all the stuff that, that social media is trying to get you to do? Is it something of the flesh? Can, anybody, is, can you agree with me that it's talking about flesh things? It's talking about the flesh. Satisfying this flesh. And then it goes on, it says, or the lust of the eyes. Joy touched on it this morning. You know, when you walk, used to, back when I was growing up, if you wanted to see... Seduction, you had to go to, I'm going to really tell you how old I am now, so hang on to your seats. You had to go to a burlesque show. Da, 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 da. Now all I have to do is go to the mall. I don't have to go to a burlesque show anymore. I don't even have to go. I don't even have to be. I don't even have to go find me a. What was it? Uh, years ago, we had one called. Uh, I don't know if it's even still around. We had one called Playboy. 
Mine was the Sears and Robot catalog. I'm admitting it. I was a kid. I was a kid once. I used to watch all, I looked at all the lingerie in the Sears and Robot catalog. He said, oh, Brother Graham, did you do that? Didn't you? No, I was just doing it. But the thing about it is, is we have, we have deteriorated so much from what God's Word tells us to do that the thing about it is, if I was to go to the mall and see the world like that, that would be one thing. But if I come to church and see it, it's another. Has immorality started moving into the, into the church? I don't want to stay on that because that's going to make people mad. But pride of life, wanting to be something that you're not. Form of God. The world is passing away, lust thereof. God abides forever. Next one, I've got to move because that clock gives me plenty of time, but I don't think this one does. So I've got to move. All right? So let's move on. Moral courage. Moral courage. This is a lot like the social courage in that sense. This is with the influence just mentioned what I was talking about. Standing up for Christian moral values requires strong courage. Christian kids are made fun of. They're bullied. They're called abnormal because they do not do what everyone else is doing. I'm here to tell, I'm reading the pocket over here because i got a lot of young people on this side. I'm not leaving you people out of it, okay? But I want you to know if you stand for Jesus, you are normal. That's normal. Not standing for Jesus is abnormal. The problem is, what is, what is considered normal in here is not always what is normal in the environment that we're in. If more people do abnormal things of this in a group, that makes that group, what that group looks like, is or doing normal because everybody there likes it. But that doesn't make it right because this book says it's wrong. And morals is hard to stand up to because it takes courage to stand up for doing what is right. And I will tell you girls, because I can't tell the guys, I will tell you girls, if he says, have sex with me because you love me, you tell him, I said, if he loved you, he wouldn't ask. There is no love in tearing down an individual. That is not love. Love respects. Love lifts up. Love comforts. Love all that. It's not sex. It's love. It's not love if it requires you to get in the gutters and become something that God never wanted you to become. That's not love. And if your mom and dad won't tell you, God, please listen to me. God loves you just the way you are. And there's a boy, there's a girl out there somewhere that will have the same values as you, stands for the same things, and when you get married, it will be the most beautiful thing that you've ever had in your entire life. And God will bless you bountifully for chastity, that which you hold back until you're married, and then it will be great. I'm not, if you read 1 Corinthians 6, 13, I don't have time to read all of it. But it says, in verse 16 it says, One 
who joins himself to a harlot is one body with her. For he says, the two shall become one flesh. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Join yourself to the Lord. Let God be that friend. Let God be that one that you build an intimate relationship with. He'll never hurt you. He'll never forsake you. He'll never do anything to you that is not good and for your benefit. I tell you, the world is not looking out for you. It's just wanting from you what it can get. God just wants you to love on you and to give you all that you deserve. Stand firm. Stand firm in what you believe. In that moral courage. Emotional courage. i got to move. Emotional courage. Life brings in many emotional times. Death. Relationships. Family stresses. Just plain stress. Work problems. Cause discouragement. And discouragement is the opposite of courage. We can encourage, have courage, or discourage. Which one do you want? Do you want to encourage people? I'm trying to encourage you this morning. And I hope you realize, young people, I'm not here to beat you over the head. I'm just here trying to prop you up with the Word of God and let you know that if you stand for God, God loves you for it. Amen? And if you already made the mistake, ask God to forgive you for it, and He'll cleanse it from you. But then change. Change. That's what it's all about. All right, emotional. During these times of courage, we need to trust and have faith in God through the tough times. Psalm 56 says, And when I am afraid, I will put my trust in Thee. In God, whose word I praise. In God I have put my, put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? And I put it to you. What can they do to you, really? They could kill you. You know, with the times coming like it is, there may be one day that when you come to church, there may be somebody standing outside that says, you go in that church, we're going to shoot you. You can go back and get your car and leave, or you can get shot. Choice is yours. Brother Graham, you're just dreaming. I'm not dreaming. If you don't think that'll happen one day, you're dreaming. Let me tell you something, how sin works. First, it starts in the mind. We start thinking about things, okay? The world thinks about things. How many of you, I'll ask you this. All that's happened today all started with somebody thinking about it a, way, a, a period of time ago. Then they started talking about it. And then they started doing it. It's a progression. Do you think that the way that they're talking about the Christians today, they already had thought about it, now they're talking about it. What comes next? Acting on what they're talking about. Okay? So if they're already talking about what they want to do, they want to shut the churches down, they want to do all... I, mean, they're, I don't know if you read or not, but they're already wanting to shut the churches down. They're already, already trying to destroy the Bible. There was a, I don't know if they passed, I guess they didn't pass a law, but California was going to pass a law where you couldn't buy a Bible. They're talking about it in California. One day in California, probably be the first place it happens, you know, 
if, if they don't fall, I'm going to keep waiting for them to fall off the West, for West Coast to have a fall. Put them on an island, you know. Lord, forgive me for that. Just save them, Lord. Just save them. Just save them. Anyway, but it's important for us to realize all of this, right? Then there's intellectual courage. This is one I love, and I, I, I got to move quick. Intellectual courage. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? My brother Michael here probably knows. Intellectual courage. That's when you get into a conversation with somebody who is in, more intellectual than you and tries to, tries to get you to believe their lie and against the truth. When people begin to attack those things, like I told, I don't remember if I told you, I might have I told somebody else, I don't remember who it was, but I've been accused... And, and I am, I really am, I am. I've been, I've been accused of being a literalist. 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 In other words, I take things literally. In other words, when I read the Bible, I read it, and then I believe what it says. So I'm a literalist. How many of you are literalists? Do you know that there's an attack now on literalists? There's an attack on people that believe what this Bible says because they want to take and say that this right here is this. It's not that, you know. Uh, they're trying to tell me that they're trying to tell me that homosexuality is not taught in Scripture. Do you know that the, homo, the word homo, uh, homosexual didn't even come into existence until the 1900s? So therefore, if it just if the word homosexual didn't come in didn't come into existence until the 1900s, then it can't be covered in Scripture. Now, that's logical, isn't it? It's logically lie. It's because people who are intellectual can't understand that when a man lays with a man and a woman lays in with a woman, it's the same thing as homosexuality. It may not be, the word may not be in there, because if you look in the King James, it's not in it. The authorized King James Version written by Paul, preached by Paul and all the other disciples, doesn't have it in there, but it talks about man with man and woman with woman. He said, if a man lies with another man like he lies with a woman, it is an abomination to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty literal. Even if the word homosexual is not in it. Now, you say, oh, now, Brother Grave, you're just getting on. No. The Bible says if we condone it, we own it. We'll be judged for it. It's time to quit owning up and telling people, yeah, I, can, I understand that. No, I don't understand that. Stand up for what you believe. If you don't believe it, then you don't believe it. But if it says it in God's Word and you don't believe it, there's a problem. There's a problem. Because if you don't believe it, how in the world are your kids going to believe it? Because they're being told... Are you? Let me just ask you, right? If you're young, how many of you have been taught that homosexuality is right in school? Any of you? Well, maybe they're not teaching it in our schools. <laughs> Praise God, if that's the case. I don't believe that to be true. But anyway, intellectual. So I, I got to move. I got to. I got to. I got to move along. Okay, let me get here. Do not have an open mind to new ways and thoughts. 
Don't go around saying, but I don't understand, I don't, I do not understand God's love. I do not understand God's grace. I do not understand God's forgiveness. That's what the world says. That's not us. I know what God's love is. I know what God's grace is. I know what God's forgiveness is. The world does not understand the word. You have to realize this. The world does not understand the word of God because the spirit of God is not in them. If the spirit of the Lord is not in them, why would you want to hear anything that they have to say? A lot of people say, well, do you love homosexuals? Of course I do. It's another sinner that needs to be saved. Right? It's just another sinner. And the Bible tells me that I have to love the sinners. Christ loved the sinners enough to die for them. If, if God hadn't loved me when I was a sinner, I couldn't be saved today. So I know what love is. Love is my Jesus lying on the cross for me. That's what true love is. Love is me dying on the cross instead of my wife. You understand? Dying instead of your children. That's love. To do something that you willing to that you would not do normally, but you go past that because you love God. And the grace of God, God's grace is great, but it's not to be abused. Love is not to be abused. Grace is not to be abused. Forgiveness is not to be abused. It is a tool that God gave us, but He doesn't want us just sinning so that we can ask God to forgive us. You know what I'm saying? We have to live with that. Okay. Last. Spiritual courage. When your spiritual beliefs are challenged, having the courage to stand up for what the Word of God says. When you're made fun of for what you believe. When I went to school, I was in a Pentecostal church. And for those of you who've never seen it, you are, don't know this, the original Pentecostal churches we were called holy rollers. Now, I know none of you's ever had a, heard that because I'm older than all of you. But we had a tendency sometimes when people would get slain in the spirit when they got on the floor, they didn't lay still. They just rolled, rolled around. I think a lot of us, they were demon-possessed, so we just didn't cast it out. <laughs> but that's another point. Anyway, but when I went to school, I had people come up to me and say, Hey, I heard you go to that Holy Roller Church down, down there on Fineland Road. I said, Yeah. I said, You ought to come and visit one time. I said, Yes, yeah. I ain't going down there. I said, hey, I tell you what, I'll rope you off a place so that nobody steps on you when you come. <laughs> they didn't want to come. I could tell you a story about a Methodist who came one time, but I won't. Okay. What? Courage to stand for what the Word of God said. You may be made fun of, but realize this. God said, if you're ashamed of me on that day, I'll be ashamed of you. I always have to remember that. If I don't stand up for God, He ain't going to stand up for me. So it's important, folks. Important. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. 
Living for Jesus is not a tomorrow thing. Living for Jesus is a daily thing. Get up in the morning and say, Today, I choose to serve my Lord. When I'm challenged and God is challenged in me, I say, Today, I stand for the Lord. I don't care what anybody else says. Today, I stand for the Lord. Okay, that's my introduction, but I'll go to my conclusion. There's never been a time in my lifetime, in my life, where there has been such an attack on Christian beliefs. Every day, I either see, hear, or read about some attack on Christian values. In just the last few years, the evil of the world, even in the United States, is coming out in force, seemingly from every place it has been hiding. We have forgotten, we have forgotten that sin is real. Sin is real. Just because our culture changes doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that sin changed. Just because culture says it's right doesn't mean that it's right. Sin is sin and will always be sin. When you miss the mark of what the Word of God says, that is sin. And when you willfully do it, it is sin. James 4, 4 says, Do, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You have to be of one or the other. You can't put one foot in and one foot out. God is not going to rewrite the Bible to adapt to our changing culture. It's our responsibility as a Christian to adapt our lives to what the Bible says. That's our job, is to adapt our lives to what the Bible says. James 4.17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. If you have never known what I shared with you today, you now know. Now you are responsible. God didn't. God only said I have to present it. I can't make people live it. That is where courage comes in. To live the life that God wants us to live. So, it's time for, us, for all of us, both young us middle-aged, and you old people, to take courage and to stand for God in these last days because the Lord is coming soon. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. 
God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you start speaking to hearts. Because, Lord, I know that there's some here that may not practice the things that I've said, but they've condoned it. There's others, Lord, that may have done some of these things, but, God, you are a forgiving God, and, God, you will forgive. You are the great forgiver. But, Lord, I just want you to know, God, that I feel, Lord, that there's hearts here this morning that wants to cry out to you and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me what I've done. Forgive me for not standing up for you. Forgive me, Lord, for not doing that which was right. When I knew I was wrong, I did it anyway just because I wanted somebody to like me. Lord, I want you to like me more than I want anyone else to like me. Because, Lord, if I disappoint you, Lord, I've disappointed something in eternity. So, God, I just praise you. And thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, and you just say, I want to just keep your eyes closed and stuff. I'm not going to give a big invitation, but I just want to say this. If you say, Lord, I, I just need to get more courage to stand up for you. I just need to have more courage to do what's right when, I'm, when what's wrong is standing right in front of me. If that's you today, and you say, I just want to do right all the time. I, I want God to give me the courage to do right. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just stand. That's all you do. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. I just want you to stand. If you're ready to change, you're ready to make a stand, to take courage to do what God wants you to do in those times. So, Father, these are standing, God, right now. I pray to God that you just give them a special courage, Lord, right now. To stand, Lord, for that which is right. And that which is pleasing in your sight. God, I love you for it. I praise you for it. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Okay, praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Thank all of you so much for being here today and hearing the Word. And I pray that it has encouraged you to do and to stand encouraged. First of all, I want you to know I love you. The only reason I preach a message like this is because I love you. That's all. I see so much of soft-peddling the Word of God to make it be in something that, you know, just him seek him saw. God is a jealous God. God wants all of us there. But Lord, we shall bless you. Please be praying for my wife and I as we go for safe in our, safety in our journey. And Angela's coming at this time. God bless you. Angela, bless you.